Welcome to Two to Tanagra, the podcast series where two regular guys from opposite sides of the pond seek to explore the Star Trek universe one episode at a time. Hi there, I'm Michael, aka the Trek Lad, and joining me as ever is the man, the myth, the legend, the Commodore himself, Dan Decker. Hey Dan, how you doing? Hey, I'm good Michael, how are you? You know what? I've been waiting. You know what I've been waiting to do? I I have a feeling I'm going to find out. Back at warp again. I just can't get wait to get back at warp again. Traveling to Tanagra with my friend. I can't wait to get back to warp again. Um, you outdo yourself every single week. Then. <laughs> I just, I mean. I, I what can what can I say? Well, given what, the episode, we've got to keep it. We've got to keep it light. Absolutely, I, I dig it. I dig it so much. Um, look, I mean, if you, if you're new to this podcast and, and you're wondering what on earth was that, well, first of all, <laughs> welcome, and uh, you're in for a treat. Maybe I mean this show. Just to clarify, and I'm going to clarify this every single week for the next 25 years. This was firmly the Commodore's idea. Um, it's his oh, fault. Um, basically, the premise of Two to Tanagra is it's two guys exploring the lush Star Trek universe. And, and we've started from the very beginning. So we've started canonically at the beginning with Enterprise. We're re-watching Enterprise one episode at a time. We are eh, about a third of the way through Season 1, Episode 9. Well, Episode 9. This is something that we need to clarify every single week, isn't it, Dan? Because it's Episode 9 on netflix but what episode number that, oh, is it on? Episode, episode eight on netflix oh is so it netflix matches our episode number that's so it. episode eight on netflix is episode eight for tutu tanagra but if you watch on cbs all access <sighs> and other platforms it's episode nine so. i i hate this i hate this nonsense i, I mean, know. If, if I mean, it's if, our number Episode eight. It's our number. It's always episode. It's the same as Tutu Tanagra. It's episode eight. There we go. Episode civilization. Episode eight civilization. If you are watching on CBS All Access or Hulu, it is um, episode nine. So, but I'm I'm sure. I mean, all you need to do is just look up civilization because it's the one that has the kind of brown cloud hovering around it. Um, but we'll we'll get into the we'll get into that reason why, um, Dan. Um, before we do get into this, yeah, um, shall we? Let's 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 give everybody a brief synopsis of the episode. Um, I, I'm reading this from Memory Alpha, so basically the episode goes like this: Enterprise finds a fully inhabited Earth-like planet where some of the inhabitants are suffering from in this mysterious disease. Oh, oh it's sickness of the week! This is our sickness of the week. I mean, look, that's that's. I mean. People can listen to, people can hear our, our voices here. We're not particularly infused for this. We are positive people, though. So we're going to be as positive we as positive we possibly can. Yeah, we're going to be as positive as we can and constructive as we possibly can. But, Dan, let's, let's break it down, buddy. Um, initial thoughts on, on this episode. What did you think of Civilization? Oh, well, you know, right <laughs> away, it, it, it didn't didn't make me mad that i watched it but i think there was a reason that i didn't quite remember uh, a lot about it um and it was like oh my gosh you know watching along i did a i did a commentary track for it too and it, it was just like it was so hard to keep making talk while watching because there's some spots where it just it really slows down um and even to get started 
uh, you know, that, that, that the opening joke that Trip tries to play, it just uh, it felt like really, you know, where this is how we're gonna we're gonna spend two minutes before the beautiful faith of the heart. I can't even joke. remember that there was a joke at the beginning. That's that's honestly, I watched it an hour yeah. ago, and I I can't yeah. remember a lot of it already. Um, well, I only know because I took a note because <laughs> so the thing is, it's like oh, there's you know three dead neutron stars, and there's this other completely uninteresting thing, and then trips like or this Minshar class planet with five hundred million people on it. Wink, wink, ah. So you know. It's like not the best joke, even. <laughs> you know, there are some uh, trip fans out there that are just going to be absolutely enraged with your impression of trip. Oh, that. Oh, uh, you know, y'all keep your shirts on, Lieutenant. It'll you, be fine. You are about to have your Enterprise fan card revoked, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, hey, to be fair and to be clear, I love Trip with all my heart. He's my favorite. Probably well, Flocks. Okay, second favorite Enterprise character. <laughs> Look, yeah, I mean, the thing is with me is, I mean, we, we'll, we'll dig out some positives here. Um, some some interesting stuff. I mean, straight off the bat, um, you know, they're excited to find this Minshara-class planet. Uh, you know, that kind of calling back to being explorers again. The the themes that are so prevalent through the early episodes, they're just excited to be there. Um, but you do get that line that they're kind of bored of, of just chasing comets and gaseous anomalies and stars and things like that they don't really care about that anymore and i'm kind of like i mean they've not been out there that long would it have yeah really... well, you know two months in yeah yeah would it have worn off that quickly already how they say they're 78 light years from home so that's a pretty long trip i guess there's a lot of emptiness out there um and apparently a lot of very similar other phenomena but you know we do come across um a a, the first planet, I guess, that we get to that has some sort of civilization, some sort of uh, semi-advanced, uh, you know, at least, um, you know, they know a few things about a few things. They're not moving in cars, and uh, but they do have, you know, sailing ships and things like that. So um, that's at least interesting and worth taking a look at, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do have here written down because they um, they do a big, they, they're, they're doing some reconnaissance and uh, they see a clipper ship. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's presented nice. But the thing that I'm always thinking, and, and this is <laughs> this is a common complaint uh, of Star Trek for me, and it's something that I think I've mentioned on, a, on another podcast, is what are the bloody odds that they're 78, uh, was it 78 light years from home, and uh, yes. they come across uh, a clipper ship? <laughs> just, it's like, oh, they just happen to be pre-industrial. This is so fortuitous for us. I, I mean, it's it's like uh, it's like when Voyager ends up on the other side of the Delta Quadrant, and everyone's still using tables and chairs. It's like you know, this is this is your chance <laughs> to show proper aliens, and it's something that unexpected as as bashed as unexpected is, uh, which I feel sometimes is is unfair. Uh, at least the the aliens that you see in Unexpected, they try to make them as different as possible proper proper oh, yeah. aliens oh yeah it, uh you know and it felt alien their ship felt alien the way trip had to go through the uh the the decompression you know made it um seem like there was you know there was more to it than just going down to the planet but that's you know that's what we're gonna do we're gonna head on down to the planet uh of course after after the intro yeah, well, I mean, we're at the point in the episode where we need to just pay homage uh, and pay tribute to essentially what is the greatest Star Trek intro of all time. And I say that unironically 
I mean, maybe Me maybe maybe yeah. there's a hint of irony because I I do Quite think. <laughs> I mean, I I think that the best uh, opening uh, credits is now belongs to Lower Decks. That's <laughs> pretty good. I, pretty honestly, good. I will say this. I mean, we, we're going to get into it uh, in our in our live stream discussion episodes. Um, but the lower decks is is off to, in my opinion, a, a pretty decent start. But the but the intro for that is is absolutely fantastic. But yep. I will have to but. say that uh, I look forward to um, revisiting those episodes on. But you know, Michael, do you do you know why you know why the lower decks theme is is as good as it is? Blow my because... mind, Dan. Go on. It has faith of the heart, Michael. It does have faith of the heart. Does it have faith of the heart? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, in spirit. It oh. has the spirit of the faith of the heart. I I mean, all, all Trek has spirit of faith of the heart, right? All, all right, Trek, well, that's how it lands. Yeah. <laughs> all Trek channels uh, faith of the heart. I will say this uh, before before the Commodore rudely cut me off, is uh, Tutu Tanagra. We look forward to revisiting Lower Decks on Tutu Tanagra in the year 2032. Um, so yeah. so look forward to those episodes. That That's when you will have the kids calling Lower Decks classic. Do you realize that, Dan? That's, oh, yeah. By that time, we'll be, we'll be so... We'll be so uh well informed about everything that's come since you know the way it's going right now we're never going to get to tanagra so which is fine by me well we'll we'll get there i mean we'll get there we we might look like cayman and that old douchebag from um the inner light but (laughs) i mean with terrible terrible makeup but we're getting there dude don't worry about that we're gonna get there look anyway let's let's move on because faith of the heart as we know is a banger uh we know that we're gonna be talking about it every single week until enterprise ends well as early as it it did end uh but let's get back to civilization so the one thing that i've got here written in my notes is how bloody terrifying the um, um, reconnaissance scans are so their ability to scan in and zoom in essentially on people's foreheads um my word yeah archer was like can we see their faces please and i was like whoa bro that's that's a little privacy uh uh you know that's kind of an infringement but um we get a uh, freeze frame of our friends the uh uh what are they the alcanes the Akari. The Akari. The Akari, yeah. yeah there we go. Uh, Going to play these fools out like Akari. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, he's like, zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance. I want to see their faces. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, it's foreheads of the week. <laughs> how can we glue people how can we glue stuff to people's foreheads this week? Find out on this episode of Enterprise. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the point. One of our key points for this episode could be, um, you know, that this is clearly, clearly taking place before the Prime Directive was established because so many rules are broken in this episode. Well, and T'Pol even says, like, um, you know, we kind of have a rule and are just like, the hell with your rules. We're humans. We do what we want. And uh, he's like, you know, look, we can put some makeup on. It'll be fine. We're all going to get costumes. Well, there's something that, I mean, the, the thing that gets mentioned very early in the episode was that, you know, Archer asks to Paul if there is any news and she's not going to mention the civilized planet because she, you know, Vulcans have this rule and, and Tripp's like, oh, why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you tell us about that? Um, or some shit. And, uh, you know, to Paul's like, because you're reckless humans and you're just going to go down there and you're going to have fisticuffs and you're going to kiss the natives. And, and what happened, Dan? Yep, he went down there and he punched a bunch of guys and he kissed the girl. 
Yeah, that's exactly what yeah, happened. Exactly what happened. While wearing stuff glued to his forehead. Basically, um, you know, spoiler alert, uh, listeners, uh, the the uh, Akari, uh, they basically have Bajoran nose ridges on either side of their temples. <laughs> Is basically the makeup for these guys, uh, as, as, be- as best I could tell. I always thought when I was a kid that they were crushed Cheetos on the side of their heads. <laughs> just like crushed Watsits, as we call them here in oh, the UK, this... just, just glued to their head. Um, yep, yeah, I mean... There's a makeup artist crying now somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, makeup artist. There, there, are, <laughs> there are some things in this that, you know, because... You know, the, the thing that we do see in, in Star Trek episodes is sometimes we don't know exactly how long they've been in orbit, how long have they been studying uh, the civilization. It's all kind of whirlwind. They they come across the planet, they're like, okay, what do they look like? Oh, they've got Watsits or Cheetos glued to their heads. Let's do that. So, Flocks, get, yep. get um, you know, stop stop dealing in medicine and uh, start dealing in cosmetic surgery, please. Uh, they Which glue- is the best. <laughs> they glue some stuff to their heads. Uh, they're able to fabricate the Akari fashion, which, by the way, is lit. It's like perfect mm-hmm, fashion. Mm-hmm. It's fashion goals. I would love to wear. I'd love I'd to get like away. Akaris. Oh, mate, if I could get away with walking down the street with like medieval hoods and jewels, um, I would. I would. Um, and a sick ass crossbow. Oh yeah, I mean the, the Akari yeah. have got it. They, they have got it. Yep. I mean the the forehead ridges, not my cup of tea, but you know. <laughs> that's another story um i also yeah. do like the the reference to um well let's, let's go back to the original point um they beam down to the planet's surface and they can speak with the natives they can speak to the natives like perfectly and it's kind of like yeah. they i mean we will get to it because there are some problems with the universal translator um but how is that possible they have well, literally so- just discovered the akari we can roll back just a little bit. And there is some scenes with our, with our best friend Hoshi where she's, uh, she's giggling at all the, all the languages. She's just having uh, the Hoshi best time. Um, and she's like, there's 12, there's at least 12 different, you know, distinct languages across all of the continents. And, you know, she starts talking about how, um, you know, she basically goes off on her, her little uh, linguistic uh, uh, prawn trip where she's, she's all excited about how, um, much work there is to do to figure this all out but the shortcut is that you know and she goes down with them uh in the shuttle pod and they uh she's likely programmed some of it uh, which leads to the bit later that you that you brought up a minute ago but yeah it it's very early into the canon to the continuity for um, the universal translator to be this good and this you know unsuspect it I is think. it is virtually flawless with the exception of a couple of issues um yeah and and they've been only when the script said it needs to break (laughs) exactly when when bacula needs his uh his contracted kisses um (laughs) do they start playing up um but i mean it is scott bacula though so you know he doesn't have to really contrive too many circumstances under which someone's willing to kiss that guy he doesn't and i'm sure the guest star was probably like it's scott bacula okay (laughs) i'm not really i mean and scott Bakula in real life just seems like the nicest guy ever right yeah and like honestly the the moment he i mean touch all of the wood imaginable um if it ever comes out (laughs) that scott Bakula is like some deviant sex monster part of me most of what's left inside will just die 
because I'll just go evaporate right is, on the spot. Is, yeah. is nothing else sacred? Um, but no. but anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, <laughs> I I do like the reference to. Um, oh, so that's why aliens always land in cornfields, as the idea. Yes, because like, they're going to take Archer to a farm. Yeah, because they're less likely to be believed. I I love it. I love it because it makes perfect sense. If there are, does, are aliens really coming to visit us, they're not going to land in the middle of a city. Because I mean, especially in in you know in America. Sorry, Dan, but you know if <laughs> at this true. point, if a UFO lands on the lawn of the White House, you know that guy is going to blow that up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Dear, dear alien listeners, do not land uh, uh, in America. Land land in England. Yeah, come to, it's, like, it's slough, over slough or something. You know, no one will notice. No one will notice. Slight, That's a nice green field s- out there. Slight dig at slough there. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> big up to anybody that lives in slough. Um, I mean, watch watch Star Trek. It will, it will distract you from what's going on. Uh, living in slough being the main one. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well that's just a straight up attack at this point um i i do i do want to break away from um the humor for one second and, and really just bring it down for a second um this episode actually they started filming on the morning of 9 11 um oh. which um yeah they literally so the sick bay scene uh, where Hoshi is having the prosthetics um attached to her head and having the cosmetic surgery was they had to break during that filming um so you know the news was coming in at the time um and um reading it on memory alpha and just kind of reading some other sources as well um you know you can actually see in other scenes literally some of the actors you can see that there's just no enthusiasm for filming at the moment in in their eyes and um you know it must have been very very difficult um for not only actors but also the people making it behind the scenes to to be on set uh on that day and subsequent days as well so incredible professionalism uh and dedication from those magnificent professionals and uh you know just really again i mean it's it's crazy that it happened such a long time ago but such a unbelievable event and to work through it must have been just punishment right well and you know contrast that to where we are relatively now and and, you know very a lot of ways very similar even uh or more exacerbated tragedy um and you know we can't go back to work in entertainment right now uh because it's not safe and you know contrast that to then where they they found the will to push through and you know went ahead and and continued to do their jobs to help help distract us uh when the time come right um but you know absolutely uh, you know, an enterprise too uh, debuted very close to uh, the week after I believe it was uh, 9/11 when Enterprise debuted. So it came along um, right about that time, and it makes sense that there would be an episode filming in and around the actual events. So um, good call out there, Mike. Yeah, it just goes to show as well. You know, just the the short gap between actually producing something and having it go out on air. Everybody kind of thinks, oh well, uh, you know, a show, and it's probably more the case now because people make, you know, the the productions that we get now are mainly ten to fifteen episodes. But this was a fully, you know, a full order, twenty five, twenty six episodes, you know, made for right. syndication. Um, you know, they're, they're not just going to have everything in the tube ready to go. They're producing this. They're writing the scripts while yeah. the show is on air, which is just, yeah. it blows my mind. It blows my mind how they yeah. do that. And, you know, and then, you know, like you said, more the shows shows are produced more these days, more as a package, right? You know, we're uh, at this time, we're waiting on Discovery Season 3, 
And while it's going to, uh, you know, release week to week, uh, because that's how CBS does it, uh, it will be, um, you know, they will all be ready to go when it, when it starts. Uh, it's not like old school television production where they did fill, you know, they had six months of, of time to fill with a six week break, you know, between the two season, two halves of the season, uh, a lot of times. So, um, yeah, as active production was, was ongoing, uh, at the time enterprise was being made new. Uh, so, yeah. But um, let's go on. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, so I was going to see um, after Archer's going to the farm, uh, Fox gets to do his thing. Uh, and all of a sudden we discover neutrinos. Mm. There's so trouble. Why are there neutrinos, Michael? Why are there neutrinos, Michael? <sighs> I don't know. Someone's doing some stuff that they shouldn't be doing. And I was... Um, I, I did groan when I when I saw this because I was like, ah, here we go, here we go. We're, we're not just going to have an episode where everything we can meet of... the new guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's like, there's never going to be like a quiet episode, even though you kind of want there to be, you know, just a nice kind of. Oh, we're just going to pop in. We're going to have a look at this civilization, blend in. Maybe Scott Bakula falls in love with someone, and uh, and that's the end of it. No, there has to be some alien conspiracy. I mean, what are the odds? <laughs> what are the yeah, odds? Oh. Uh, I guess they're really good. You know, you found the first civilized planet in your entire 78-year light trip, and it's just also happened to be uh, being taken advantage of by <laughs> another advanced civilization who name drops the Tellarites, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I mean... He didn't catch that. He name dropped... And he looks like that guy. I know it's not the same actor, but he looks like that guy who was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer but also played... Uh, the the Romulan that shows up later on down the um, in Enterprise and in the fourth season that Romulan guy he looks a lot like that same he, actor he looks similar it wasn't because that Romulan yeah. was Brian Thompson who yeah that's who I'm thinking of well known character actor who he was in he, he's been in episodes of uh, TNG he was in Generations he was the uh, we're entering the orbit of Iridium Fair. Um, yes, he, he was also one of the punks with uh, Bill Paxton in Terminator. So he's nice. he's been around the bush. Um, but the, but the villain um, is Wade Williams, who I actually remember as being uh, what was his name? Um, the guy that just gets really quickly killed in the first couple of episodes of Twenty Four. But uh, another well-known character actor. He's been in Star Trek. I think he was in an episode of Voyager as well. Can't remember the name of the episode, but he's just got that face. I mean, as soon as I saw yeah. him, I was just like. Well, you're a villain. You're going to be a jack-off. I'm not going to like you And he you also talk. talks very villainously. Yeah. I'm, I'm evil. What can I get for you today? Um, <laughs> if I don't have it, I can find it. But look, here's um. So here's here's a deep cut. Here's here's something that you know. I mean, if you're watching, if you're watching this, you're you're well into Star Trek, so you probably already know this uh, already, dear listeners. But um, he belongs to a species called the Malorians. And if you yes. are familiar with the Malorians, they only pop up, to my knowledge, one more time in Star Trek. And that is in the TOS episode, The Changeling. The reason why they appear, they, they turn up, is because they've been wiped out. They no longer, they're extinct. Spoiler alert. Oh. There we go. Huh. So, wow. uh, yeah, so they are, they are, it's uh, basically the, they are wiped out by the probe. So humanity is responsible for the Malorian extinction. So uh, it doesn't, okay. it does not end well for those guys, unfortunately. 
Well, you know, maybe if they had been a little bit nicer. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Stop, you know, stop. Beecher wouldn't have to, you know. Yeah, stop taking the piss out of people with, you know, cereal glued to their heads, and uh, you know, maybe yeah. the probe wouldn't have wiped <laughs> you out. Um, but, but yeah. Anyway, so like, there are a couple of things here. So, so we got the Malorians, which is, I think, it's a cool little, uh, cool little uh, callback. Um, the first, yes. so, so the cosmetics being glued to heads. That's the first time we've seen it canonically, um, which is cool. It's also the first time we have seen. Um, <laughs> it's the first time we've seen breaking and entering. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, that is one of my notes. I'm like, oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and break on in here. Drip's got the lockpick, and what gets me is like they're just so enthusiastic about it. But um, we got a tail, though. You know, somebody, somebody's. Uh, I always feel like somebody's watching me. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's we're gonna meet somebody new. Yeah, we do, we do. We meet. Um, honestly, you know, I'm I'm gonna sound really flippant and uh, just douchebaggy here, but I can't remember her name. She's got a crossbow. She's a scientist. Um, Scott. It's Rian. Is that her name, Rian? Yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah, I wrote it down. I just know that I Scott Bakula really digs her almost immediately. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, she comes packing, bro. She's got that sick ass crossbow. She she comes packing, but then she's in in my fa- <laughs> in my favorite moment, perhaps not only of this episode, which which isn't really saying a lot, but maybe right. of the season yeah. so far, is the, is the moment where she is neutralized as a threat by T'Pol just ruthlessly just lasering her in the back. Yep. Um, yep. Phase pistol. Like literally, just takes her out, snipes her out. Um, to pole has no chill. Okay, Michael. I think though, what we need to do right now <laughs> is you and I need to take a moment and just this is a to Paul appreciation moment. This is a Jolene Blaylock appreciation moment. You on board with this? I'm I'm on board for anything you have to offer. Well, within reason, Dan. Yeah, right. I understand, but you know, I just she. She is my favorite Vulcan as far as as how she plays Vulcan. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is... Because she's very sly with it, right? She's a little more emo- emotive than she lets everyone see. But, you know, where Sp- Spock is obviously my favorite Vulcan. It's just, you know, because it's, it's, he's Spock. But you can also disqualify because it's also half human. So, you yeah. know, I mean, if you're going full Vulcan, it's going to be to Paul. Oh, um, I don't know. Added, I don't know. I you don't know. know? You think it's Tuvok? Yeah, Tuvok's my favorite Vulcan, which, you know. and He's, and I, he's, he's a really good Vulcan. I, I, I and even, they both. I even I include. They both contributed to the lore very well. Yeah. Yeah. I even include probably Tuvok above, like, Spock. Like, honestly, I just. I don't know. Oh no, that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and, and and if anybody's listening and, and they're going to go, well, explain that, Michael. Um, I will one day. I will. I, I promise. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have. That's a, a different to... podcast. That, I mean, that's, yes, that's something else. That's something else entirely. Yeah. That's uh, that's we can some... have a show about that. This is going to get me cancelled for sure. It is going to get me cancelled. <laughs> yeah. That opinion. That hot nope. take. No, I'll back you up. I'll back you up on that. Bro. <laughs> and like I said, Spock's my favorite, and I'll back your play on that. So, but anyway, that's enough appreciated of uh, <laughs> Jolie Blaylock. Uh, but no, the way she plays, she just plays that deadpan face. It's just like, yeah, yeah, no, I totally faced her. <laughs> and and also her reasons were like she she had a weapon. 
a crossbow yeah. is a weapon. Uh, <laughs> that's true. For, for anybody that's like, ah, I don't know, she didn't really pose a threat. No, no, she had a crossbow. She could have shot and killed people. Uh, she was neutralized. Um, to Paul just exercising that cold, brutal logic, and you know, and that's why we love her so much. But it, I've got it in capitals. To Paul is ruthless, and uh, and she, she is, is and um, it's yeah. it's it's my favorite aspect of of uh, of the show, and it's a highlight of the season so far. Um, and and honestly, let's I'm, be honest, Space Mom's keeping everyone alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I and mean, he's because of that. Here's where my notes kind of get a little bit light because I, I'm. I'm not going to lie, Dan. Um, I got a bit bored, and I've got here a note. Yeah, just just yeah. a bit boring, a bit pedestrian. Yep. <clears throat> We've seen these stories before, and it's definitely got a kind of feel so of filler. I have some couple. I have a couple of notes. It is filler. It's a lot of dialogue. Uh, it's a lot of stuff that isn't really going to get us anywhere. It's mostly, you know, it's mostly for Arthur to flirt. Um, you know, we... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we tase all Rian and abduct her. Uh, and, you know, again. Yeah. We abducted her. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, at the uh, Garrow shop, Garros is the, is the bad guy. Uh, but, uh, Archer, Archer actually makes a, a note that something strange is going on. And it totally reminded me of something strange as a foot at the circle. K <laughs> from Bill and Ted's, you know? Um, and he isn't good at making stuff up. Archer isn't very good at making stuff up because he keeps trying to um, he keeps trying to convince Rian that you know <laughs> nothing's going on that he's just some he's just some dude from that place that you know like my girlfriend's Canadian you wouldn't understand. Um, and, uh, uh, and then though uh, he he even tries to get a date. He's like you know basically the equivalent of let's get coffee next. And um, but they're doing a scan on the bridge. <clears throat> And guess who? Guess who we get to? Guess who we get to see? Our oh. favorite tactical officer. And what does he want to do? He's he like, wants. We could torpedo the building. <laughs> he wants to blow shit up. Is what Reed wants, he wants to do. Wants to blow the fuck out, man. He's like, we could torpedo the building, but there's some sort of shield. Can someone take the shield down for me so I can blow up the building? Can I? Like, Whoa, bro. Can I please? Casualties. Can I please blow it up, sir? Please. Oh, I need so bad. Seventy-eight light years from Earth, sir. I need to blow something up more. I need to blow stuff up. I need, I can't just blow up snowmen, Captain. I've got to blow <laughs> to something blow up. up. An actual building. Can I target one of them clippers? <laughs> is it? Is it just? Um, is it me or is Malcolm Reed a bit of a terrorist? I mean, there's an argument there to be made for sure. Um, he was he was just trigger happy. <laughs> Fortunately for him, later in the episode, he gets to play with the guns. But right at this moment, I was like, "Whoa, bro! You kind of just went to the uh, ultimate solution." There, he's like, "Yeah, we could just blow up the whole building. That would take care of that." And it's a good thing that maybe we didn't go with that solution because we find out later that there are innocent people mining underneath. Yeah, yeah. That might Mal- not have gone well. Malcolm Reed is the reason we've got the Prime Directive. I mean, it's got nothing- absolutely one hundred percent. Nothing to do with doctor's orders, nothing to do with trips, multiple, um, you know, problems and congenitor or anything like that. No, no, no. It's because the United Federation was sick and tired of Reed trying to blow stuff up. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, we need rules. 
need some rules. Uh, but yeah, it's, one, it's all Malcolm's fault, one hundred percent. So, so um, let's let's talk about the universal translator issue because it's um it's mm-hmm. probably I mean so at this point, um, Rian and uh, and Archer who who is who has really gone out of his way to come up with a great cover name. I mean, what's your name, John? My name is John, and even John. and even and even Rian is kind of like John. All right, mm-hmm. so you're sounds really, made up. Yeah, you're not you're not from around here, are you? I mean, it's like he didn't even ask Koshi what's a good made up name for me. <laughs> My name is John. Uh, yeah, and and Rian is is like yeah, okay, you're you're full of shit, mate. Um, but we get some uh, we get some kind of hijinks. We we meet um, Wade Williams, who is uh, an undercover Malorian. Um, stuff's happening. Uh, they're investigating. They're trying to find out how to access the the source of the neutrino leaks. And uh, yeah, they um, um, well, the universal translator um, stops working at a very important time. And uh, Dan, how does um, how does that good man, how does the good captain uh, go about solving this issue? Well, you know, he as as all of us would, I think, in that uh, with with no indication whatsoever of having any consent he just moves in for the kill and he, he gets a good kiss uh and while he's doing though i mean he's he's making good use of his time uh and, and the distraction that it's providing by making adjustments on the fly on his communicator to you know to, to adjust the ut uh and you know he kind of backs up and he's like can you understand me and she's like blah blah until you know oh, oh gotta keep kissing you don't know yet yeah right? and so it finally dials it in and he can stop kissing her thank goodness because that must have been torture yeah i i mean the the only thing that i can say is i thank god she was happy to reciprocate because right that, oh that my gosh have, that she's probably been... still got the crossbow yeah yeah um but yeah no i i saw it as um as a real quantum leap activate mode uh for scott bacula um yeah. it just kind of yeah. seems that that was i what mean this if? This whole episode, just just the whole makeup of this episode, and the throwaway nature of it, uh, with with all due respect to the show, just came across as very quantum leap. Archer is a fish out of water. Uh, Scott Bakula is a fish out of water, and uh, it's a it's a storyline of the week because you know we're never going to go back to this planet. And oh, uh, no. gets the girl, beats up the bad guys. It's quantum leap, but with the veneer of Star Trek. Yep. But they're they're loading out those crates, and uh, that dude he takes those crates in his little rickshaw, his little wheelbarrow, and uh, there's a pickup, there's a drop point. We find out there's more going on. Yep. 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 They're, they're being, that's about the next. That's the next big bit of action. <laughs> they're, they're they're being dodgy again. You know, I have to kind of just go seventy eight light years from Earth, and we've got wheelbarrows. I mean, what are the odds? Yep. <laughs> What are the odds? Look, at, at this point, what I want to try and do is I want to try and be a little bit more constructive here because um, my my notes here of and I do actually what I want to quickly do before we go into talking about how we could make this episode uh, better. Um, what I what I will do really really quickly is um, let's just wrap up the summation of the episode by saying that sure. um, that uh, the Archer beats the bad guys. And, oh, there's a whole bunch of space fight pew pew. Yeah, and uh, Reed gets his moment, and uh, then Archer and um, Rian um, just do some more kissing, and then that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. But, but an interesting thing that I want to talk about before we get into kind of constructivity and um, 
constructivity did i just make up a word yeah um to pull and trip to pull and trip given the fact that last week's episode was such a breakthrough not only for um trip and to pull but also to pull just in general in terms of dealing with a crew of humans a whole ship of humans um just seemed like there was a huge breakthrough i mean not everything's going to be rosy immediately you know immediately like like a snap of a finger but it seemed to me and i'd be interested to know your thoughts here dan that to paul and trip this scene that they have where they kind of start arguing on the bridge about what the right course of action is feels very much like this episode should have taken place before breaking the ice yeah yeah that was you know it felt like we took a step back in their their characters uh, growth and connection yeah um at that point you know oh yeah that was oh yeah that i had notes about that he just he wants to argue her down mm. um yeah yeah that's yeah that was a real kind of regressive moment for sure it was but for both of them as well because i mean yeah he's mm-hmm. trying he's trying to shout her down they're arguing uh, over rank in front of other officers on the bridge at a, a moment of crisis and uh and un- honestly it just felt like this episode was poorly ordered um you know in relation to the other episodes that we've had before it this episode i would have probably dug this episode if it was maybe episode five or six but episode eight um it just feels like what we have gone through at this point with the andorian incident with breaking the ice this feels very regressive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it should be excuse me it should be more uh towards the front of the front of the series you're absolutely right about that it um uh, you know, and like Trip is willing to vent the nacelle plasma, and who knows how long that takes to build back up and cripple the ship just so T'Pol can't leave orbit. That seems, you know, a little extreme, bro. And, yeah. Uh, but she, you know, she corrects him. She's, you know, she just says, I said, make ready to not actually do it, you know, uh, by the way. I didn't, so. yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with T'Pol's actions in the episode. I feel like she was acting nope. logically and coolly. And there's there's a reason. There's a reason why the sub-commander takes control of the ship when Arch is not there. I mean, and, and yep. uh, you know, it's because she is the most qualified for command. Um, and, and Trip has to deal with that. And he does get a little bit ratty about it. And he starts trying to kind of pull rank and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, T'Pol kind of very... Uh, easily kind of talks him down um, but yeah it's, it's just it's just uh, it bothered me really because the, the the thing that I really like about breaking the ice was just that it felt like we were really starting to get somewhere perhaps maybe it was perhaps a little bit too early in the show's run you know it would have been nice if they could have carried this conflict over perhaps for more of the season towards the end of it mm-hmm. people start kind of growing to like each other a little bit more but you know at the same time these guys are in deep space they've been out there for what like two three months at this point you know you kind of just learn to get on with people after that amount of time of and you know essentially you're you're stuck in a space submarine so you kind of got to get on so yeah it just you know it was something that i kind of mentioned i noticed and obviously you picked up on it as well um well and i um i thought too you know i was about i was thinking about how clever it was you know the way they the way they outmatched the malurian ship um, which was, you know, well more armed for battle than the wee little NX-01 um, could be. Uh, but, you know, the, it was a very clever out. And then I remembered that it was T'Pol's cleverness, not humanity's cleverness that saved the day. So. 
It's like, well, we can't even take credit for that. <laughs> well, again, it's just another kind of sign of how working together with, you know, other species can benefit, you know, kind of the, you know, sowing the seeds for, you know, the Federation, you know, a collective of uh, of races who can all come together, work together, you know, for, for mutual benefit. So, you know, at the end of the day, T'Pol had to act to protect not only her ship and her crew, but herself as well. I'm sure she didn't want to explode. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And yeah, but it was jarring to kind of, you know, it felt, it felt disjointed to um, have that level of immediate reactionary distrust, just, you know, right out of them, you yeah. know, whoa. And it was like, he was stand up yelling, you know, all caps, caps lock. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's another sign, and we did, did mention it uh, on last week's episode, and I think we've mentioned it a couple of times. You know, this this idea that the season has a bible, and the writers, you know, you're going to have multiple writers kind of dipping in, and I'm sure in there is probably a bullet point that says um, trips annoying. And to pull up and, and, and to pull argues with everyone. So the writers just kind of took that and they just went, right, well, they're just going to write that scene. Um, you know, and, and they're all writing drafts and they're writing scripts and it's all kind of out of order and it's up to the showrunner to assemble it. So I would just say that this is just a showrunner error, really, and, and probably putting this episode, um, you know, where it is is, uh, is a bit of a mistake. But I, I guess, again, looking at it from, from a ratings perspective, they probably knew that this would be a... A middling episode so they're like oh we've got to kind of space this filler stuff out we we, we yeah. can't you know we can't have too much filler because people would just tune out um so so yeah it's, it it's definitely int- felt like filler definitely <laughs> definitely did feel like filler but i mean going back to you know some kind of constructive ideas on how to you know enhance this episode i'll be interested to know your thoughts on this as well is kind of going back to what we were talking about the the idea that this episode uh is very much a pre- prime directive episode um right. now if i was writing this episode you know with with you know knowing what i know now and having the benefit of hindsight um i mean the, the whole idea of arriving on a planet and there's another alien there and they're up to no good i mean that stuff we've seen before i mean this episode really could have been in voyager um it could have been tng i think deep space nine would have probably just been like Nah, nah. Uh, yeah, we've nah. got we've got good stuff to tell. Um, but this is this episode felt very Voyager for me because um, right. I mean it could have easily have been uh, you know Jay, like Janeway or it could have been like Tom Paris having this relationship with this woman on the planet. Um, so it felt very very Voyager for me. What I would do is I feel like the best episodes of Enterprise are the ones where they just fuck up (laughs) they just they they they're acting with the best of intentions but they just don't know enough about the universe they don't know enough stuff they're too wet behind the ears they're too green yes uh and and they're they're going at you know they're explorers they're out to just you know they just want to be part of stuff but through their actions through through blunders there are problems so what you could have had is you could still have this neutrino link uh, leak but it's coming as a result of them beaming down a, a survey team and uh, there's an accident and you kind of have that or what you could have if you wanted to tell a, a more low stakes story is um, and basically what I'm saying is all of my versions result in the Malorians just being extinct again. Sorry, um, uh, <laughs> um Sorry, guys. Um, but um, another idea would be that you could tell a really low stakes story. So Archer beams down to the planet's surface and maybe it's not Archer. Right. Maybe what you have 
is because Archer would have to make a decision on this. So you beam a survey team down to the surface and a member of the survey team meets and falls in love with a member of the natives. So almost kind of like dances right. with wolves. And, right. um, you know, through and, and you have no neutrino leak or anything like that. And this young ensign, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be gender specific. It could be a man. It could be uh, a woman ensign uh, meets and meets and falls in love with a member of the natives and they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave at all. And Archer has to kind of choose, uh, you know, whether to leave this non-Akari um, uh, on the planet's surface or not. So then you have your ethical dilemma, your moral uh, conundrum. Um, yep. and, and what you could have is what for various reasons maybe flock says a little throwaway line of you know please come back after eight hours because the prosthetic will start to melt or dissolve or come off your head or whatever um and and that mm -hmm. happens where when they're out and um you know you could have this wonderful story where the person that has fallen in love with their ensign is basically saying i don't i'm making this all up off the top of my head by the way um yeah, basically says uh you know says uh i you know it doesn't matter you know the, you know it doesn't matter it's it's crazy to think that we're no longer we're not alone in this universe but i love you no matter what i fell in love with with you not not a not nakari or something not your, like that not could, your crisps could, on could, your forehead yeah could not the crisps on your forehead could, so it could be a really good kind of progressive story uh, a love story um but but the you know because you've always got to have some way of uh making this episodic is um and it, it goes full frankenstein the the natives find out about this ensign and uh, and chase him down and before archer can rescue him from the planet they're murdered Oh, you, you know, just go all in. You're yeah, like well, drama. But but the thing is, is is that's how you write uh, a tragedy that gets you talking it about is, like we need to you know create this rule here because you know you don't have to have just one instance. You don't have to just have cogenitor and and that's it. You could have multiple problems that the crew encounter that the guys back right. um, you know back on Earth go right probably shouldn't be interacting and fraternizing <laughs> with uh pre-warp civilizations uh and then the vulcans could be sat there on the other side of the room just going we, we told you this we told you <laughs> right. um yeah. so yeah. so i mean that that's my two cents you could either tell the you could either tell the story with with the neutrino leak being you know ground survey uh or you could have this kind of love tragedy um and that's that's what i, I, would do. I like that second bit because yeah. uh when i was thinking about it uh as you were talking and I was like thinking about, you know, um, what I would say, yeah, the, the Malorians got to go. They're not that, that Sorry, whole Malorians. thing. Sorry. Is, it's a distraction. I uh, don't mean to be specious, but they got to go. <laughs> um, there's just no, you know, there's Sorry, no Wade reason Williams. for that bit of the story to be there. Um, there's that's more interesting way to propel the story forward, like you said, with, um, you know, because what I was thinking was there really needs to be something like where it's going swimmingly. And then all of a sudden we just piss all over everything. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. You know, that, and that is like, you know, and there is a real one less crewman now consequence for making poor decisions because that gives Archer's character some weight. Uh, he has to learn the hard way that, you know, cowboying down to the planet isn't like maybe to Paul's right. Maybe we should, you know, study and look from afar uh, and only engage at certain levels of progress. Uh, just because, you know, once they found out, well, you know, who knows what their religion compels them to do. And for one thing, people, you know, people do all kinds of crazy things for all kinds of crazy reasons. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, there has to, there would be, have to, there was no, there was no stakes in this really. Right. No, there was no, no really. there was nothing. We, we, we didn't feel like we were going to lose anything. 
Um, you know, the ship was threatened, but not really. Uh, you know, because you, you come on, it's gonna it's the hero ship. Uh, and you know, there wasn't there weren't any learns or consequences really for the crew. You know, other than you know Scott Bakula or Archer can just beam down to the planet in instant sex, pretty much. Oh yeah, no, he uh, he finger guns. You know, and he's like that one. That's me. That's mine. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, the we'll we'll get into this as the series progresses. But you know, kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But I, I know we the events of uh, the end of season one, um, you kind of happen in in the same way I'm about to talk about. But the idea that I always had for season one of Enterprise to make it perhaps a little bit more, um you know dramatic would be that you you constantly have these blunders for you know not not blunders um you know where people are just being uh downright just stupid and you know uh stuff like that it's it's just blunders that humanity is you know a flawed species the vulcans are trying to be you know they've, they've been warning us about this uh for for years and years i mean the original plan was to have enterprise season one all set on earth uh, i'm kind of glad that they didn't do that um but at the same time you know i wish that there was a little bit more in the narrative that we're not ready for this and and the kind of crew realizes as they're progressing that you know they're they're woefully outmatched um you mm-hmm. know when they come across you know i mean the malorians i mean having the energy shields and things like that i mean it shouldn't shouldn't have been a quick you know it should have been a quick you know one and done battle really they were outgunned and out you know numbered and out technologically advanced in every way absolutely um you know what you should have had is you should have constantly had these these tragedies and by the end of season one you basically have uh starfleet kind of just go right we've we've spoken with the vulcans we've got to pull you back and the final episode is essentially like this tribunal episode and it ends on the cliffhanger of are they going to be allowed to continue these adventures or not and um you know it would have been quite powerful because you know you would have had you could still tell episodic you know you could still tell this singular episodic format of storytelling but at the end of it you have this overarching theme at the end of the season you know look at all these instances where you've gone and you've interacted with alien civilizations and alien races in space and there have been so many problems and uh, we, we we are not ready for this and then obviously it's up to the crew to, to come out you know and, and prove that they can do this you know that's how i would have played it uh, instead of blowing up planets and uh, you know neutrino leaks and melurians and stuff like that but that's just my two cents what we have to do is we do have to kind of rate the episode based on what we actually yep. got so with that in mind dan <laughs> Uh, with with this rating system, uh, dear listeners, if you are listening to Two to Tanagra for the first time, our rating ranking system is a little bit different. Um, as Dan will explain, we rate our episodes out of four point five, and then we create this aggregated score. Dan, why four point five again? Well, because uh, our good ship Enterprise is, you know, she's a warp five capable vessel, but but we know top speed is warp four point five. Um. But our scale also includes includes impulse. So below <laughs> terrible episodes are are lower. You have impulse and qu- three quarter, half and quarter impulse, and and then just the none is like the worst rating. So so technically that brings us to a quote five step rating system. If you include how bad an episode could be, if you have to rate it at some speed of impulse, I mean we're talking that's a sub white episode. But this one is not that bad to me uh so in our in our hodgepodge uh you know uh, contorted <laughs> rating system this one's this one's it's just a 2.5 tops you know so there's a misalignment in the magnetic constrictors or something this one just didn't just didn't top out 
weren't able to weren't able to put the uh, the foot all the way down on this. Yeah, I'm I'm no, kind of yeah. I'm I'm with you on this. I mean, it's um, I mean, there was potential in this episode. There were there were some fun bits in there. I mean, I will never forget to Paul just phasering someone in the back uh you know the akari fashion absolutely top notch um a fun a, a fun kind of mini space battle to uh, and the resolution to that was was uh was pretty cool it's cool to see that um but really for me just uh, very disappointing um especially when i'm kind of sat there and i can come up with something off the top of my head that's probably a little bit better uh for me i'm giving this two out of 4.5 so combined um between two of us it's a uh, 4.5 out of nine for civilization and it's a midland. Uh, yeah it is it, it's a it's a middle of the road filler episode so it gets the approach it could have been score. anywhere right could have been in any series in any place in the in the in the season and it wouldn't have been missed nor nor groundbreaking regardless well i mean i was quite sure that i'd seen this episode before I mean, and that's, that's, yeah. I guess that's the problem with, you know, and, and uh, I'm probably going to get some heat for this because you can't criticize uh, the classic Trek. Um, I, I can. Um, I you know, it, it, <laughs> I do sometimes feel like they just played with safe formulas sometimes. And this, this episode, I, I'm sure I've seen it in other shows. I'm sure they've just mm-hmm. taken this script and they've just changed a couple of names. Changed well, that was the planet. par for the course for Berman and them, you know. Yeah, that's what they did. They played it safe. Well, I mean, at this point, you know, 2001, you know, there's so many, so many, so many years into, you know, the back to back or the back to back to back Star Trek episodes and seasons. The, you know, they they were getting. There was almost this kind of inorganic process to it all, and uh, and absolutely no slight on the the writers of this episode or the people that put it together, um, but it was just at this point where it was just so much, so obviously just a process, you know, mm-hmm. just just churning right. exactly. out script after script after script, uh, you know, and the, the one thing is, you know, and um, without getting too deep onto it, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of of the the Star Trek that we get now, um, but at least it dares to break the mold and do stuff differently. It is trying, yeah, yeah, exactly. But there exactly. we go, there we go. That is Enterprise Civilization. out of 9 from both myself and the Commodore. Um, What have we got next week? What's the episode next week, Dan? I have no idea. (laughs) We are unprepared for this. Let me just check. Uh, Here we go. Straight live. Uh, The next episode is... Brace yourself... It is oh, oh it's fortunate oh, son. No. We're getting a Mayweather episode. Oh, you know, you gotta get your Thomas Mayweather or Travis Mayweather uh from time to time. But yeah, let's okay. That's that's a good one. All <laughs> it's right, definitely next. Gonna... We, we do also get some Norsicans as well, so um kind of uh, We do get some Norsicans. Play Dom Jotuman. Play um, Dom Jotuman. <laughs> there we go. Well that is enterprise civilization as i said uh what did you think of civilization let us know by connecting with us on twitter you can follow the show at two to tanagra uh dan let's uh let's plug some stuff um you you have a patreon that you have uh, i do i do have a patreon (laughs) so patreon.com slash d-a-n-d-e-c-k-r and you can find me on twitter at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R, as well as on Instagram at the same handle. Uh, so come find me, come follow me, hit me up on Patreon. You can get access to uh, commentary 
uh, for the episodes uh, as a listen along with uh, the episode that we're covering for that week's um, Tutu Tanagra. So uh, that's that's available for you as well as uh, potentially early access to my other podcast, uh, Bourbon and uh, Bad Choices in Bourbon. That's at Bourbon Bad on Twitter. Uh, so check all that out and come find me in all the various places. There we go. That is Dan, the good old Commodore, who is just absolutely killing it at the moment with that podcast, Bourbon and Bad Decisions. I love it so much. So please check out that podcast if you get a couple of seconds. You will not regret it. As for myself, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TrekLad. And I'm also on Patreon where you can get early access to all of my YouTube episodes. And there's some really good stuff in the works at the moment. A very exciting time if you want to come and support me on patreon you can find me there patreon forward slash trek lad and uh also finally one more thing we have to remember that this is the tutor tanagra podcast so if you haven't already please um please consider subscribing to tutor tanagra on the platform that you're listening to this on dan any closing remarks always a pleasure to get to take a trip with you michael thank you so much uh for doing this with me um, regardless of the ranking for the episode, you are always a uh, nine out of nine with our A plus, uh, or yeah, it's our A plus D grade content. A plus D right grade for content. our listeners. There we That's go. Right. I mean, we'll talk over each other. We'll mess stuff up. We'll, we'll, but we'll leave it in. We will leave all that shit in because that's how we roll. We got. We, we not got time to. It's real. It's real, man. It's real to me. God damn it. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Dan, it's always an absolute blast, my brother, and uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I do want to quickly close off by saying that if you are struggling with anything right now for any reason and you do need someone to talk to, uh, both myself and Dan, our DMs are always open. And the Star Trek fan community on Twitter will always have your back. So if you are feeling low for any reason and you need to reach out, please consider doing so. Take care of yourself. And until next time, from me, Michael, a.k.a. The Trek Lad. And me, Dan Decker, the Commodore at Dan Decker. Here we go. Let's try and get this right this time. <gasps> Live long. Live long. Uh, and <laughs> what a car wreck. Very I love close. it. Live, live long and prosper, <laughs> everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> Go and have a good day. <laughs>